welcome to the Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast. I'm your host, holistic nutritionist, gut and hormone health expert, yoga and meditation teacher, spin addict, and cat mom, Taylor Zandro. Today is our very first Ask Me Anything About Anxiety episode. Every third episode of the Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast is going to be an Ask Me Anything About Anxiety episode, meaning you can ask me anything. All you need to do is submit your question or questions with as much context as possible in the form linked in the show notes of this episode. These questions will always be answered anonymously, but please do provide your email address as requested on the form so my amazing podcast manager can email you to tell you what episode your question is going to be answered on. I'm hoping to answer two to four questions every AMA episode, but I also want to cap these episodes at around 45 minutes. So if your question isn't answered on this episode, don't worry. It's on the list and it will be answered in future Ask Me Anything episodes. So let's dive into question number one. When nausea is so severe because of the lack of nutrition, but eating anything is just so difficult, how can you change? This is such a good question. And I get this question a lot. Just I get questions about nausea a lot. Uh, And this actually might take me the entire 45 minutes to answer. (laughs) So let's see. This might be a individual episode, but there's a lot of pieces to unpack here. So first and foremost, I want to know why you're experiencing this symptom of nausea. Yes, the lack of nutrition is playing a role, but it's only like one piece of the puzzle. So off the top of my head, because believe it or not, I do not have every single possible symptom for every single imbalance in the body memorized. That would be so impressive if I did, but I do know the most common ones I see time and time again with my clients. This is why I have these crazy detailed symptom intake forms that list out all possible symptoms so that I'm not missing anything and then I can just connect the dots for my clients from there. Because it's not just the anxiety, and you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes here, creating this nausea. What is happening is there's other body-based imbalances that are creating both the symptom of nausea and the symptom of anxiety. So different imbalances within the body will produce multiple symptoms and the symptoms will be expressed differently depending on the person and their unique constitution. We're all so different on the inside. So we are all different on the outside as well. Or I think I meant to say that the other way around. We are all just as different on the inside as we are on the outside. There, nailed it. Okay, so what is producing the symptom of nausea? Nausea is essentially a protective mechanism from the body meant to be a warning. So, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to list all the possible explanations that I can think of for why you could be feeling nauseous, and then I'm going to dive into what can be done about all these different things. So in no specific order, parasites, small intestine inflammation, uh, you're not producing enough digestive enzymes, your pancreas needs support, the liver is overburdened and needs support, low stomach acid, your body isn't effectively clearing toxins, 
uh, food sensitivities, this will be unique to the person, uh, undiagnosed celiac disease or gluten sensitivity or just a general reaction to wheat. Um, aluminum, copper, and fluoride specifically, so like chemicals and heavy metals that are trapped in the body, kind of circling back to the body's not effectively clearing toxins. So specifically aluminum, copper, and fluoride, when there's an excess built up in the body, it can create the symptom of nausea. Uh, consuming too much caffeine, which if you are not able to eat that much, I highly doubt that you're having a lot of caffeine, but if you are, that could definitely be a contributing factor. Not eating enough protein, magnesium deficiency, B vitamin deficiencies, and an underactive thyroid. So as you can see, it's not just about the lack of nutrition, although that absolutely plays a part. So now that I just rattled off a list of a bunch of things that could be going on, let's kind of unpack this a little bit and dive into why this could be happening and what can be done about it. So I'll start with parasites because honestly, that's like my favorite thing to talk about these days, but parasites always freak people out. They think of these like nightmarish long worms that are in the body, but the reality is there are thousands of different types of parasites and the medical community is only really testing and looking for like a few specific ones. So this is getting missed a lot. Parasites are part of our environment. Every country has them. They are found in water, food, soil, and even the air we breathe. Uh, they can be transmitted in utero, so from mom to baby, um, from sexual contact, bug bites, from our pets, public restrooms, doorknobs, unfiltered water, uh, undercooked meat, fruits and veggies. The question isn't how do I avoid parasites, but why does my body allow them to come in and create a home for themselves here? And this has to do with something called host susceptibility. So we, the human, are the host. And when we come into contact with the parasites, which a lot of them are microscopic, they're naked to the human eye, are we more susceptible or less susceptible to contracting them? And there's a few factors here. So age is huge. Children, like children are, it's very, very, very common for children to um, have parasites. Any medication that's suppressing the immune function or just if immune function if the immune system is just too busy fighting off other infections or other toxins, this is going to increase our susceptibility. Um, how much stress our body is under from dietary and lifestyle choices. Low stomach acid is a big one. If stomach acid is low, it's basically kind of throwing the doors of the body open and, and being like, hey, parasites, like, come on in. <laughs> uh, and then gut dysbiosis, so an imbalance in the gut, in the bacteria in the gut. All of these factors increase our susceptibility when we come into contact with parasites. And you get them as these teeny tiny microscopic eggs that would enter the body through your hands, your nose, your mouth, your skin. And their job is to live within you for 35 to 40 years. And they want to remain undetected. Like, so the symptoms that they just blow my mind. I think they're so intelligent for these microscopic little things because they need us to survive. So they're not trying to make it so uncomfortable and so unpleasant that we dig and dig and dig until we find them. They're trying to kind of remain incognito. 
then the symptoms they produce are so normalized that most people are just reaching for over-the-counter medications and don't dig deeper into what else is going on. So ideally, you are working with a practitioner who is very well-versed in parasites like myself, or there's plenty others out there, so that you're being put on an effective elimination protocol because there's a bunch of steps involved. And I actually talk about this in detail in, I have a workshop called the How to Eliminate Common Gut Pathogens Workshop. It's almost three hours, I think. And I talk about in detail how to eliminate parasites, candida, SIBO, and um, H. pylori. And I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes. But you won't eliminate parasites with diet alone. But one of the best things that you can do is support digestive function so that when you come into contact with parasites, which you will because they're part of the environment, then your digestion is killing them off. So that's definitely something that I would look to exploring. It's not where I would start. And I'm going to talk about a little later on where I suggest starting when nausea is this extreme, but it is something for anybody else listening who has nausea that it's maybe not super extreme. It is something that I would recommend to looking into at some point. So let's chat about um, small intestine inflammation, not producing enough digestive enzymes, the pancreas needing support, the liver being overburdened and needing support, and low stomach acid. So I'm grouping all of these together because this is all about the gut. And again, I, I have a workshop that covers this in detail. It's called How to Reprogram Your Gut. And I'll also put that in the show notes. It's a three-hour workshop. So this would become like a six, seven, eight-hour episode if I tried to explain every single thing that could be done. But there are some recommendations that I can make and I will make the things that you can start with right away. So number one, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. You want to be drinking at least half your body weight in ounces of water a day and Consider something supplementing with digestive bitters or digestive enzymes, and there's a GI Revive powder that's really, really great for inflammation and supporting the small intestine. Um, all of these, uh, I'll link it below. I have a, a supplement shop um, that you can look at all of these products. Just as a mini disclaimer, when I'm talking about products as I go through this episode and future episodes, I'll always talk about products. These are not me making any personalized recommendations for you because I haven't done an intake with you. So I don't necessarily know what's going on, but I'm just approaching these ask me anything episodes as if like, okay, what would I do if this was a client in front of me? What would I be looking at? And so definitely exploring parasites at some point, especially if we don't see improvement when we start working in these other areas. And then 100%, we need to zero in and we need to support all the pillars of digestive function. So we need to boost stomach acid. We need to support the liver. We need to support the pancreas and the gallbladder and all the other digestive enzymes. We need to boost the production of digestive enzymes. And we need to support uh, the small intestine. We need to support the lining of the small intestine. So there's a bunch of different ways we can go about this. But my top three, like right off the bat picks would be hydration either digestive bitters or digestive enzymes, and the GI Revive powder. And then there are, of course, food-based suggestions as well, like increasing protein, fiber, um, increasing probiotic food, and, and prebiotic foods. But those aren't going to be really helpful for you right now until we can really work on reducing the nausea, right? So for now, my question to you is, what can you stomach? Can you stomach um, a protein powder? 
shaken with water or almond milk or some other kind of nut milk. Um, I like Pure Paleo, which is in my supplement shop. It'll be linked in the show notes. Bone broth. Can you sip on bone broth? Um, any kind of organic fresh pressed juices just to get some nutrients here. Um, what about plain organic yogurt? You want to think about starting your day with protein. This is going to go such a long way in reducing the nausea. So either the protein powder shake or bone broth or just plain organic yogurt, uh, pureed soups. Can you do that? You want to eat small portions. Don't force yourself over time as you work to address all the causative factors that could be creating the nausea. You will be able to eat more because the nausea will start to reduce, but, and eventually be eliminated. And you want to eventually be thinking about working up to 90 grams of protein a day, but this is going to take months um, if you're coming from this place of intense nausea. You can also make gelatin gummies with like real fruit juices, no added sugars, anything like that. There's tons of recipes for this online, but I really like the gelatin beef powder by Great Lakes is the company. Um, Avoid sugar and gluten. This will make it worse. And if you can only stomach bland foods right now, like say you can really only stomach plain pasta or something like that, make it a chickpea pasta. Okay, went off on a tiny tangent there. So I'm going to circle back to the list of potential root causes, plural, because there will always be more than one. So we talked about, um, for nausea, we talked about parasites, the small intestine, producing more digestive enzymes, the pancreas, the liver, stomach acid. Where am I at? Oh, yes. Food sensitivities. And especially uh, if there's a gluten sensitivity, which most people are, are sensitive to gluten. So food sensitivities are different than a food allergy. Food sensitivities are symptoms of compromised digestive function. It's not that somebody just randomly cannot eat all these different foods. It's that they have low stomach acid. It's that they're not producing enough digestive enzymes to effectively break down this food. So now these food particles are entering the bloodstream in a form that the immune system doesn't recognize. So the immune system is going to tag this as an invader and it's going to mount an immune response to something that is essentially harmless because it's a food particle, but you're immune system doesn't know the difference. The immune system just knows like there's something in the blood that isn't supposed to be here. So it's just doing its job and attacking it. <laughs> and this is creating a lot of inflammation, uh, inflammation and starting to like wear and tear at the lining of, of the small intestine. And it's only happening because the food particle, it just wasn't broken down into the simplest form because digestive function was compromised. So this is why I tell people like, do not start with a food sensitivity test. If you have money to spend on testing, spend it on something like bioresonance testing, which is what I offer in practice, or gut testing from another functional practitioner like the GI map from Diagnostic Solutions. Nausea can also be a symptom of undiagnosed celiac disease, gluten sensitivity, or wheat reactions. And then a lot of people who are so nauseous, sometimes you can only stomach toast right? Which it's unfortunately going to make the situation worse if the nausea is partially a symptom of wheat reactions or gluten sensitivity. So really trying to um, reduce gluten as much as possible and looking for other alternatives. Now let's chat uh, chemicals and heavy metals. 
So the accumulation of aluminum, copper, and or fluoride in the body, this can also create the symptom of nausea. So just like parasites, encountering chemicals and heavy metals is unavoidable. We have hundreds, if not thousands of them in our bodies at any given time. They're just so abundant in our environment and even banned chemicals can be found in our bodies like decades after they've been banned. And this isn't to fear them, just like we shouldn't fear parasites, which I know is hard, like hello, anxiety. <laughs> we hear like chemicals and heavy metals and parasites and our brain just goes there, right? Um, but just know that there is always a way to support the body. There's always a way to detox and remove these things from the body. The body is built to detox, like naturally. We just have to get out of the damn way and support digestive pathways. And so many of us, and it's no fault of our own because there's just a severe lack of education in this area, we're not living our lives in a way that is supportive to what the body needs in order to actually detox properly. So these detox, detox pathways become like sluggish in a way. And so it's really just about going into the body and opening these up and getting everything moving and grooving again. And I talk about this in like insane detail in that how to eliminate common gut pathogens workshop. I talk like half of that workshop is about supporting detox and drainage because you cannot remove any gut pathogens without first making sure that the detox pathways are moving and grooving and doing what we need them to be doing. Um, but one of the things that I recommend to all my clients is either if we know from testing that there is a, a buildup of chemicals or heavy metals in the body, or if we simply just suspect it based on symptomatology, I really like to put them on a binder to really make sure that these chemicals and these heavy metals are actually being removed from the body. And the ones that I really like, the ones I personally use in practice are the ones from Cellcore. Um, if anybody listening is interested in any Cellcore products, um, just send me a message because you do need a practitioner code, but they have a few different binders that do different things. And they have one that's specific to heavy metals that I love. You can also use um, activated charcoal as a binder, which you can pretty much get at any health food store. Um, the only thing is that you need to take it away from food and other supplements and medications because it will bind to nutrients in the food. But if you're, you know, not eating that much, then that's really not a huge deal because you already have an empty stomach anyway. And so taking something like either one of the cell core binders that I really love or uh, an activated charcoal can really help just to begin to pull those, those um, chemicals and heavy metals and toxins out of the body. But do not use a binder if you're not having at least one bowel movement a day because we need to make sure that these toxins have somewhere to go. And then you also want to think about doing as much as you possibly can to reduce the exposure to these chemicals and, and heavy metals. So for aluminum, for example, doing just kind of an audit of your house. And this takes time. When I first learned about all of this in school, I felt very overwhelmed. I would go home and I remember, it was my nutrition in the environment class specifically where we kind of talked about all of this stuff. And I, I remember just going home and lying on the couch and just being like very overwhelmed 
um, I also had anxiety, panic, and depression when I was moving through school in the beginning of school. So take this with a grain of salt, do what you can, know that it takes time. What I always tell people is like, just start to replace things as you run out of things. So for example, aluminum is in a lot of deodorants and antiperspirants. So you can throw yours out if you want, um, or you can just wait until things start to move to run out and then you can just replace them with natural alternatives at that point. Uh, aluminum foil, aluminum cookware, antacids, aspirin. Aluminum is in a lot of anti-caking agents in like flowers, baking powders, so table salt. So make sure you buy baking powder that says aluminum free. If you do have any table salt, just throw that away. Um, it's just not good on so many levels. <laughs> Replace it with real salt. I really like the brand Redmond Real Salt, R-E-D-M-O-N-D. If you follow me on Instagram, you see that I put it in my water all the time. Um, a big, big fan of that company. Aluminum cans, obviously. Um, toothpaste. We also do not need the fluoride that is in our toothpaste. I haven't used it in years and my dentist is always so shocked. It's always like so fun for me to go to the dentist and be like, yeah, I use fluoride free. <laughs> He's always like, what? Um, so the two toothpastes that I like and use and recommend are Boca, B-O-K-A, Boca toothpaste and doTERRA, they're on guard. Copper. So copper is in things like birth control um, and hormone replacement therapy, so HRT. It's in some beers. Uh, it's added to tap water as a fungicide. It's in hair colors, um, for fertilizers, dental amalgams. Uh, and there's a lot of foods that are high in copper as well. The thing is we need copper in moderation. It Like a little bit of copper is good for us. It's only going to cause a problem if if especially when we're, we're talking about it from a food source, it's only going to cause a problem if we're like if we're massively eating out of proportion. But this actually can happen in vegan and vegetarian diets. So a lot of vegan and vegetarians um, might have more copper excess. If there is stress in the adrenals, uh, stress in the liver, if we don't have enough zinc either in our diet, or maybe we need to be supplementing with it, then copper will accumulate in the blood instead of being used by the body. And finally, the last potential explanation for the symptom of nausea is our thyroid, specifically that our thyroid gland is underactive. So to support an underactive thyroid, you literally do everything that I have talked about up until this point. So hormonal imbalances are symptoms, and to address them, we need to remove gut pathogens if they are present. We need to support any digestive imbalances. We need to support the body in detoxing and clearing chemicals or heavy metals. We need to eat more protein. We need to supplement with magnesium etc etc literally everything i've talked about up until this point which is why i mentally put the thyroid at the end i always put hormonal stuff at the end because there's so many things we need to do first before we start tackling our hormones and then on like the flip side of that 
just by doing all the other things like the dietary changes, the lifestyle stuff, the digestive work, that in its own is often enough to rebalance and support hormones. So I know this is a lot of information. It's going to feel overwhelming because I'm just firing answers off at you. I really want for these ask me anythings, well, for you to get as much value and as much information as possible. Plus, I don't know you. I haven't done an intake with you. So I'm just answering this from everything I know for what the potential um, reasons could be that you're experiencing these symptoms or you're struggling to release your chronic anxiety. It's going to be impossible for me to tell anyone, just do X, Y, Z, unless I've done an intake with them, right? Because it really depends on why you are experiencing this symptom. Your body is beautifully unique, so your protocol will look different than someone else's. And it would be my job as the practitioner to simplify all this for you and figure out, okay, what are the few things that you can do to start moving the needle forward? Because you're not going to do everything I talked about all at once. Like there is a hierarchy, uh, there's an order in which things need to be done. A lot of the time, you know, I'll hear, and I get it because I used to say this and I used to think this, but I hear from so many women in my community, you know, I've tried everything. I've tried everything to release the anxiety and nothing has worked. And I guarantee you haven't tried everything. And even if you have tried a lot of the things that I'm talking about, you maybe just didn't do it for long enough. It wasn't in the right order because there really is an order in, in which um, healing, for lack of a better word, needs to happen. So if I had to pick the main things I would start with, not knowing anything about you, I would say start with increasing protein in whatever way you can, um, supporting some key nutrient deficiencies through supplementation, and supporting digestion and detox as much as possible. How can you begin to increase protein? Is it with a plain organic Greek yogurt, a protein shake, bone broth? You can also try an amino acid powder supplement like the one I have in my uh, supplement shops called Amino Acid Supreme that you mix with water. Hydrate. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. It's going to be so important. Drink lots of water. Uh, you can supplement with magnesium. You can get a lot of magnesium supplements in a powder form and mix it with water as well. So if I don't know if you have trouble taking supplements. I'm kind of assuming that you do because it sounds like the nausea is pretty, pretty bad. And if there is difficulty taking supplements or you experience nausea when you try and take supplements, this is really pointing to stomach acid being low. So again, we want to think about bringing digestion back on line. So a lot of the recommendations I'm making are going to be powders. Usually I find with my clients who do experience a lot of nausea that it's much easier for them to take powders or certain supplements where you can open the capsule and really focusing on bringing digestion back online and boosting that stomach acid. One of the best ways to do this is through breath work. Yes, breath work is a really powerful tool here for the digestive process and something really gentle like digestive bitters or digestive enzymes if you can take like a pill or a capsule. 
But digestive bitters are my favorite, and they'll really start to stimulate all the digestive organs. Digestion begins in our mouth with our salivary enzymes. So you would take the bitters. They, they don't taste good. The name is quite literally in the name, bitters. You swish it around your mouth. You swallow, and it's just going to help support your body in a really gentle way to do what it needs to do to create its own digestive enzymes and its own digestive juices. But maybe with the nausea being so bad that the digestive bitters are just way too bitter for you, and so maybe you can take a digestive enzyme. So it might be a little bit of trial and error here based on your unique situation. Like I said, I mentioned earlier, if you are having at least one bowel movement a day, a binder would help massively as well. But it's very important that the toxins have a way to leave the body once they're bound. I wouldn't bring in a binder if uh, the bowel movement was not happening every 12 to 24 hours. Magnesium deficiencies definitely at play, which even if you were eating enough food, you would still be deficient in magnesium since it needs to be supplemented with. Uh, it's no longer highly available in our food because we have really messed with our soil and depleted our soil of key nutrients like magnesium. So I've been on magnesium forever and ever and ever. I consider it a lifelong supplement. Uh, it's something I recommend to all of my clients, and it's something that I will take until the end of time. You could also look at supplementing with B vitamins or even just try a B6 alone, which could be really helpful for the nausea. Make sure it's in the P5P form. So if you're looking at B vitamins, you're looking at the back of the bottle, there's all these different names for them. Basically, the name tells you if it's an active form of the vitamin or inactive form of the vitamin. We want to make sure that if we're supplementing with B vitamins, which not everybody with anxiety can, by the way. Some people with anxiety, the B vitamins can really trigger more anxiety, and other women who have anxiety, B vitamins can be extremely helpful. But if you are trying a B6, get it in the P5P form, the pyridoxal 5-phosphate. It's the active form of the vitamin. If you are consuming a lot of caffeine, sugar, and gluten, cut that out as much as possible. And from a symptomatic perspective, ginger tea and peppermint tea can be very helpful. Oh, and getting outside in the fresh air, breathing in that fresh air. Ooh, I answered that a little bit faster than I thought I would, so we have time for one more question. Question number two, ways to get off gluten. That was the question. <laughs> um, I'm, I don't really have a lot of context here, so I'm just going to answer this in the way that I'm reading it. But for um, anybody who's listening in and they're maybe like, oh, why do we have to get off gluten? So we definitely want to reduce how much gluten we are eating in our diet. It is one of the major drivers of inflammation in the body. And inflammation is one of the major drivers of anxiety. It creates the symptom of anxiety. It keeps it chronic. And so to reduce this inflammation, we really need to look at what we're eating. And we want to look at reducing 
gluten, dairy, sugar, corn, and soy. So gluten is a sticky protein. It causes wear and tear of the gut lining, so the lining of the small intestine. It's not easily digested or broken down by our digestive tract. And as I was mentioning when I was talking about um, in the nausea question, when undigested food particles enter the bloodstream, they're tagged as foreign invaders, and this triggers the immune system, and this is going to create inflammation. Gluten also impacts the opioid receptors in the brain, creating addictive tendencies and driving mood disturbances. And gluten is not a lot of people like understand what gluten is. Like when we think about gluten, we're like, okay, yeah, you know, pasta, bread, pizza crust, things like that. But there's a lot of hidden places for gluten. So gluten is in all whole grains and whole wheat products, cereals, pastas, white flours, breads, bagels, anything like that, pizza crust, other words for grains that would have this gluten are amaranth, wheat, barley, buckwheat, bulgur wheat, uh, corn millet, teff, kamut, rye, spelt, malted barley, malt syrup, malt vinegar, brewer's yeast. These are all words for things <laughs> that have gluten. These are all food items or food products that have gluten, and seitan, which is a wheat gluten. And gluten is very often hiding in, you know, soy sauces, gravy, store-bought sauces, store-bought dressings. So my suggestions for, you know, how to start to reduce and come off gluten is, number one, don't buy it. When you go to the grocery store, don't buy anything with gluten which means in the beginning, you might have to bring a little list of what gluten is and everything that I listed, you may need to write that down and bring that with you to the grocery store. Number two, focus on increasing protein, fiber, and fat. These will fill you up and it's gonna balance your blood sugar, which will help to decrease these cravings to reach for gluten. What really needs to happen here is we need to retrain are what we normally eat and what we normally grab for. And sometimes that brings me to step number three, mo all of the time, this requires doing an audit, taking inventory of what you're eating. So I like to have people write it down. You can do a little diet diary and just write down what you normally eat and then take inventory of that and take the time to explore alternatives. There's tons of alternatives now. You just need to do your research. There's tons of gluten-free blogs. There's tons of gluten-free recipe books. There's so many incredible resources out there. It's really just about setting yourself up so that you don't have the option for grabbing for gluten. So you're not even buying it. You're not even bringing it into your house. And then that's forcing you to look at what you eat and explore other options. So there's cauliflower rice, cauliflower crust pizza. There's tons of keto and paleo bread substitutes that usually have almond or coconut flour. There's zucchini noodles, there's spaghetti squash, there's gluten-free pasta, there's legume pasta, brown rice pasta, chickpea pasta. If you really like soy sauce, then use coconut aminos instead. 
or tamari, which is a gluten-free soy sauce. If you, I'm trying to think of a bunch of things that have gluten. Um, I don't know, maybe if you buy muffins from the grocery store, then Google paleo muffins and those will all be gluten-free. Or, you know, you can Google gluten-free muffins and stuff. I think paleo muffins are delicious. But there is al- there's alternatives for everything. Whatever you eat that has gluten in it, there is an alternative for it. So spend the time to look at what you eat and explore the alternatives and give yourself grace. It's not going to happen overnight. It is going to take a little bit of time. It's about shifting your habits. It's going to be shifting... Even when we go to the grocery store, it's so robotic, right? We know what we're grabbing. We just go and we grab it. So actually taking the time to be intentional about your grocery shopping and sitting down, looking at what you ate, spending the time to look at alternatives for the gluten of the things that you're eating, be that pasta or bread or cereal or muffins or, you know, whatever it is, pizza, whatever it is, and then sometimes a lot of the time that means actually making the alternatives as well Um, and then over time this will just become your new habit this will just become your new way of eating I don't bring I don't ever I don't buy anything with gluten when I go to the grocery store I don't buy anything with gluten and I don't buy anything with dairy I just I, I that's how I kind of do it and that doesn't mean that when I go out to restaurants or when I go to people's houses, I, I just let myself eat whatever. But when I go grocery shopping and the things I bring into the, my house and the things I make are always gluten-free and dairy-free. And it really just does take time. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a few weeks. But there really are tons of resources out there. I'm working on pulling all of my recipes into a recipe library that will hopefully be launching at the end of January of this year, 2023. (laughs) That is my plan. Um, And so you'll have over 700 gluten-free recipes that way if you want to just like hang tight. But there's tons of blogs and recipe books and so many options out there. It's just about actually taking the time to sit down and be very intentional, shift your mindset, shift your habits. Okie dokie, that's a wrap with this Ask Me Anything episode. If you would like to submit a question for me to answer in future episodes, all you need to do is submit your question or your questions with as much context as possible in the form linked in the show notes of this episode. I'm really looking forward to these segments because I think people drop into my DMs and they think they're asking a simple question that I'll just have a simple answer to. But as you can see with, by the root causes of nausea, there's a lot to consider. And even though the question seems simple, the answer usually isn't. And it's not something that I can just answer in my DMs or write you know, a 2,000 word Instagram post because that's the limit of how much you can write on Instagram. And for the lovely women who ask these questions and for anyone listening, You may feel overwhelmed, like, whoa, that was a lot of information, but I hope you also see that there's so much that can be done. And if you think you have tried everything to eliminate your anxiety, I promise you, 
you haven't. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I have one quick favor to ask. If you loved today's episode, I would so appreciate it if you left me a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to right now. My goal with this podcast is to reach as many people as possible to spread awareness that anxiety is not this incurable disorder. It's not something you just have to live with. It's definitely not part of your personality. And there are body-based imbalances that need to be addressed in order to truly be free from chronic anxiety. And with awareness comes action. So the more people this podcast can reach, the less people will struggle with anxiety. And positive reviews are the number one way to help new people discover the show. You are the best. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so much. Last thing, I have to say this legal and medical disclaimer. The Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast with me, Taylor Jandro, is for general information and educational purposes only. And the advice and recommendations I give or my guests give throughout the episodes do not replace medical advice. The consumption of this podcast does not qualify as a practitioner-client relationship with me, and the use and the implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. Yes, I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist. So please discuss any changes with your primary healthcare provider. Okay, that is it. Until the next episode, bye for now. Thank you.